This episode of Miked Up Pod, I bring in two of my very good friends, John and Kim Cook. John, a member of the canine SWAT team. His wife, Kim, a member of the bomb squad. We dig into the lies of law enforcement and how they met. John talks about the time he played college football on a full-ride scholarship, but a motorcycle accident hurt his chances to play. Kim gets into some of her worst experiences on the job. Here it is. Hope you enjoy it. I am here with two of my really good friends, John Cook, Kim Cook. One's a canine SWAT. That's, that's Big John. And the other one's part of the bomb squad. That is Kim. Talk about a power couple. What's up, man? No, What's no, happening, how guys? you doing, Mike? You know what? You have no idea. I'm sitting in front of the two of you. This is, this is a big deal for me. We feel the same about you. Exactly. Hey. You know, I love that hairdo. <laughs> <laughs> you, always, you know, people you know? have been talking about the hairdo, and I'm going to tell you why the hairdo is so great. It looks lovely. I'm going to tell you a little later in the show. I told you pre-show, but you don't know why. No? The, it's a very important piece to life as to how you keep your hair good. Or we you just have it. it like this. No, None. bald. bald By the way, you, you had a huge afro, right? I could still grow one if I need. And why don't you? Because that takes a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cheap. I want to keep my money. John, how, how tall are you? I'm probably about 6'3". You weigh 280. You can go there. 280. So the, the afro would make you about 290? Of, of course. Yeah. You know. So seriously, why don't you grow it back? Because that's a lot of work, seriously. You, you have to go to a barber. It takes a lot. You know, you got to pay and all this stuff. I got to take time to go to a barber shop. Dude. This way I get to take care of it on my own. It's so true. You buy your stupid razor and you do it yourself, right? Exactly. I have to go get a haircut every two weeks. And that it's part, time. It, it's, it's like fun because it's like my time. I don't have mm-hmm. to hear anybody. I can turn my phone off. But still, and I know why you girls go to like the beauty salons and get your like hair and nails done. Because oh, yeah. it's like your time. It feels Absolutely. good. Absolutely. But then I'm leaving spending 45 bucks, right? And I'm like, it's, you know, it's 45 90, bucks. 90 I bucks get a lot, of, a lot of razors for 45 bucks. Dude, I'm telling you. Yes. 90 bucks a month. I'm like, a ah, thousand bucks a year. That's a lot of money. But you know what? It's about feeling good because you're going to do good. But I feel good when it's bald. And plus, Kim likes to like. Do you like him? I do. She likes I the love baldness. it super smooth. You do? I do. I figured you would want something that Shiny you can... Shiny and smooth. Okay. Yeah. All that Afro stuff, it just mess her up. How about Kim's hair? You like Kim's hair? To no. be honest with you, no. He doesn't. I want it to be long. She went behind my back and cut it. I did. You know? I heard that story. That's why I brought it up. But yeah. then again, I can't like argue with her. She might blow me up. <laughs> it might be in a good way. <laughs> you know? So I just got to go with the flow. So the two of you, you were born where, John? I was born in San Jose, California. I thought you were like a, a Southern guy. No, my family, my parents are from Oklahoma, so I spent all summers in Oklahoma. So I got a little Southern vibe to me, but I was born here in California. So you went to, but you played college ball at Miami of Ohio. Yeah, the real Miami. Yeah. And you were, you were the quarterback there. I was a quarterback there. I got, you know, I got a scholarship to play there, but I only actually got to play in one game because I was, in, I got injured. I got hit by a drunk driver. And you were on a scooter with your friend or something, right? Or yes. a motorcycle or was it like a Vespa? It was, it was not a, no, come on now. I was gonna say, how I can't get on no Vespa. <laughs> what do you think? I had all those mirrors on it with some, you know, bowling shoes. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, oh, every time. Every time our families get together, they, we are guaranteed to laugh our asses off 
Well, come on. Every How time. can we not have fun with you guys? I'm telling you, man. You it's, know? It's not a bad report between the two of us. Exactly. We love coming over here and hanging out with you guys, you know? <laughs> okay, so. I get to see the hairdo and <laughs> hang out with you. What kind of what kind of scooter were you guys on? We were on one of those Honda Elites. Mm. You know, back in the day, one of those Honda Elites. And remind me if I'm, I might be incorrect, but he was on the bike and you're like, hey, take me over there. Or were you? No, were no. You? We, uh, see, what it was, it was back in the winter out in Ohio. And what we would do, you know how you would sit, you'd call um, shotgun? Yep. Well, on the scooter, because it was cold. It was, you know, we had two California boys, and it was cold. So you would call front, front, right? So if you were the driver, you know, I'm sorry, you would call backseat. Mm-hmm. So the guy would, if you called backseat, the other guy had to drive. Okay. So he was blocking the wind, so you weren't cold. Got it. Well, I won. But this day, I really lost. Mm. I was on the back. And because I was on the back, I actually got hit by the van. And my partner, my buddy, he did not get hit. Now, you were on a full-ride scholarship. Full-ride. To play as a start, starting quarterback. Did you go in, in I was sophomore, going in. junior I went. I went to uh, Santa Ana College first. Then I transferred there. So I was. I had the red shirt one year. And then after I coming out of my red shirt, I was going in as a starter. But I got hit, and it ended everything. So when you got hit, what was the reaction of the coach, the AD, the college? I mean, what – they were really, no, down. they were really cool. The mm-hmm. The coach is phenomenal. His name was Tim Rose. He's a phenomenal man. I mean, I owe my career now because of him. Because what happened, to make things short, is that they told me, I well, after I, got, uh, I had surgery, they I had to reconstruct it, my, my hip. You know, I came back home. I was in traction for six weeks, and I came back home because it was wintertime. So I came to a doctor back here in California, and he told me, hey, basically, you need two full years to rehab it. And remember, like I said, I went to a junior college, and I redshirted. I didn't have two years left to, to wait on my eligibility. So I basically sucked it up and lied during the PT in the testing on my leg. So this happened in, in January. By August, for summer ball, I'm already back on the field. Mm. But, you know... Your body knows everything, so I'm going through practice and everything, and my left knee goes out because it was overcompensating for my hip. And then basically, that's why I say Coach Rose was a great man. Basically, what he did, he called me in the office and said, hey, I got good news and I got bad news, so you know where that's going. Yeah. And he basically told me that, hey, your football career is over. You're not playing ball anymore. I'm going to keep you on scholarship. You're going to be a student coach, but you're not going to play. He goes, one day you're going to want to have kids, and you're going to want to be able to play in the route you're going. You're not even going to be able to walk again. Did you think you're, you were headed to the NFL at that point? I had a good shot either going to NFL or Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was your thought once that happened? I said, man, you goddamn crazy. It's my decision. But he, was, he firmly confirmed that, no, I'm the coach, and it's my decision, and you're not playing anymore. Did you think about transferring somewhere else? No, because I didn't have the time left. I was stuck there. Plus, I understood I was on a – and plus, I called home afterwards and I talked to my parents and they basically said he's right. Mm. You know, the way you're going, because I ended up getting surgery on my knee, I was going to mess myself up. And I, and to this day, I thank God that I listened to him. So you at that point, you had hip surgery, then you had your knee surgery. Correct. Two major surgeries and when you're 20 years old, 20, 21? I was about 21. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, I mean, he, he said, I wouldn't have been able to be a, a police officer if it wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. I would have really messed myself up. Okay, and then I wouldn't have met Kim. We're going to come back to that. Kim, where were you born? L.A. And born and raised. And uh, did you go to college? Did you go to school? 
I did. I um, went to junior college at Cerritos, and then I ended up going to Cal State Dominguez and uh, got a degree in public administration. What made you get into the uh, to law enforcement? Well, um, since I was a little girl, uh, my neighbor was a police officer, and he actually worked for the sheriff's department. Um, he worked one of the stations that I started out. Um, but he would come home every day or several times a day and he'd bring his police car and he was just this person that I would see and kind of admired. And, um, ever since then it was like, since I was small that I wanted to become a, a police officer. Did you tell your parents that? Yes. They knew from a very young age. What, and their thought was, yeah, go for it. Yeah. They've always been very supportive. Hmm. Okay. Now, now we're out of what, what year did you start? I started in um, 95. Okay. How about you, John? 94. So I, there's a connection here. Oh, yeah. You guys you guys met somewhere. We did. Where yeah. did you guys meet? We met. We were both locked up in the county jail. On the love connection. <laughs> we were locked up in the county jail. <laughs> you know, I had to go on a furlough to meet her. What happened? Well, what happened... Well, I used to work at Men's Central Jail, and she was working at uh, Century Regional Detention Facility, better known as CRDF. And I got I got a, a new job inside the jail and got transferred over there. And uh, when you would walk in, you had to hit this code, and you'd walk in. Her office was straight ahead. Mm-hmm. So I, I walked in, and I said, wow, you know, she's cute. You know, she's all right. So I would try and talk to her, and she wouldn't give me a time of day. Mm. She would just say hi and then keep on working. So I was like, man, later for her. You know, you know, you were young, didn't you? know, I was like, whatever. You're how old at the time? 29 at the time. And did you graduate Miami of Ohio? Yes, I did graduate. Okay, so you got your diploma there. Yeah. Okay, then, sorry, let's go back. So between the graduation time to 28 and 29, mm-hmm. trying to be a sheriff, what, what were you doing be, uh, between those years? I worked, at, um, I worked at Orange County Probation Department because I should have got hired with the sheriff in 91, but because of my hip, they held me up. So then I then when I came back to get hired, there was a freeze. So then I was stuck. So then I, I really wanted to work the sheriff's department. So I went and got hired on with Orange County probation, and I waited till they opened up again. Okay. Okay. So go ahead. So continue. You're- so then, you know, so by luck, there's this uh, training. I get uh, this email saying that I have training. So I was like, man, you know, all right, I got to go to this training. Well... I didn't know, but this training was, uh, it's called analytical interviewing. That way that you could tell if people are lying to you and stuff. Well, one thing that they do in this class, is called the hot seat. They put you up in front of the class and they make you just tell the truth, but you also put in lies mm-hmm. and people need, have to read your body language to see if you're telling the truth. Well, I'm a guy, I'm always late. Well, if you're the late guy at analytical interviewing, they made you go in the hot seat first. Mm-hmm. So I'm up there in the hot seat. And as you know, Mike, I've known you for a while now. I'm not afraid to talk to people or be in front of people. <laughs> so it didn't bother me at all. Yeah. I was up there just You're born ready for that. Exactly. So yeah. I'm just doing my thing, talking, lying, telling the truth, all this <laughs> stuff, everything. But the great thing was, as I'm looking out in the crowd, I see Kim, mm-hmm. you know, the girl who wouldn't talk to me. That looks good, you know? So I said, hey, cool. Because I knew at this analytical interviewing class, once you're done off the hot seat, you get to pick somebody else oh, to go up there. Yes. So I was like, 
Cool. Okay, I got a question now. Yeah. Did you know ahead. she was going to be in the class? Had no idea. Okay, so I was I was going to say maybe at this time you were on purpose late so you can be in the hot seat and then. No, no, okay. I, it just so it wasn't know, planned. Hey, God had a plan yeah. for me, lined it all <laughs> up. Yeah, you know. Kim, how old were you at the time? Uh, I was twenty-five. Okay, so four years apart. Four years apart. Okay, you know, okay. old enough. You okay. know, perfect. No, I'm not going to jail or nothing. Yeah, <laughs> talk to her. <laughs> so I said, okay, so I'm done. I was like. Uh, I want her to go. Yeah. So how many people are in the class at this time? Twenty-five. Okay. About Twenty-five people okay. in the class, or okay. something like that. Well, I didn't know this, so I, I find out later it wasn't that she was just not want to talk to me. Kim is a little bit shy, mm-hmm. so she gets in the hot seat, and man, she starts squirming, sitting on her hands, <laughs> like looking at me like I had to knock you out mm-hmm. for picking me. Now, Kim, you remember him saying hi to you in the in, in your office? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so you remember all that. Yeah. I saw him in the hot seat. I was trying to look down because I knew he was going to pick me. You knew it was coming. I did. Yeah. And I and I wasn't going to shy away. Right up your alley. So it was perfect because yeah. then I started seeing her. She's shy. Yeah. She can't lie. Yeah. Right. She's an honest person. She's going to tell the truth. So... Everyone was asking, so I asked, you know, you know me. I get to ask questions, too. I was like, are you dating anyone? Perfect. <laughs> 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 you know, so they're hitting her with all kinds of stuff. And she's squirming and she's telling the truth. So I'm like, man, I got a shot at this. Now, were she's you dating single? anybody? Single, no. okay. You said she, no. I'm like, yeah. she's single. I'm yeah. good. I'm, yeah. man, I'm in. Yeah. Here we go. I'm yeah. in like Flynn. Yeah. Let's do this. So then we have a break. Well, this is where it gets really good. Is because now when we go to training, we have to dress like certain dress code, professional, casual. Okay, you know certain dress like, code, like sla- like slacks and a polo. Or- exactly, okay. right. something like yeah. that. You yeah. can't. You're not supposed to wear jeans. Okay. Well, Miss Kim over here is wearing jeans. Oh shit! So we're at break, and I'm sitting there talking to her, and you know, let's be real. I'm like checking her out now because sure. I'm up close. Because normally I would see her, she was sitting down. So now I get to really see her. And then I, and I noticed in her jeans, like in the back by her behind, there's a hole. Uh oh, on purpose, Kim? You no, it was there. No, I. Well, that's a story. That's another story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. It's supposed to be there, but so you know, so I'm talking to her, and again, like you know, my personality. I'm not afraid of stuff. I go, hey, what's up with the jeans? And then I go with my hand, I go towards that hole in her pants. Go, and what's up with the hole? And she's like, hey, she slaps my hand. Hey, yeah. cut that out. Leave it. You know what's yeah. wrong with you? And yeah. you know, and I go, hey, you're the one that put the hole in your pants and brought her to you know training. You know, it's like you had an open invitation. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so then from then on, we just started talking. And then basically, we're like, hey, what are you guys doing for lunch after? And then we went to lunch. And then. You, being a Dodger guy, you'll love this. Our first date that we call was at Philippe's. Oh, man. Because after that training, we went to Philippe's. Right there, right? Yeah. Was your training uh, It was Legion right there Park at the jail. It was at the jail. Okay, okay. And then so we went to nice. Philippe's because yeah. I had never been there. Best. We went you there know? a couple years ago before King's game. Exactly, yeah, but well, I had never been. Sure, sure, sure. You know, I went yeah. with Miss Kim here. Yeah, yeah. And then, so that so, was the first date. Yeah. Man, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah it was like, it was doing training. I, I called the first date because yeah. I finally got to sit. Didn't sure. You, and, you know. So, Kim, were you like, okay, I'll give him a chance? It, 
you or know, was it when more... we first start, when we first met and we started talking, it was like, he was like, we were, had been friends for years. Yeah. yeah. It was just so natural. He's got that effect. Yes, yeah. You know, it was like, we weren't going there. Yeah. Big, beautiful I mean, person. See, I was just being nice, but in my mind, I was like, Hey, this girl could plan be a, of attack. Right. Hmm. You know, I could be like the could... hillbillies. Yeah. I could be like, Jed's a millionaire in a minute, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So Philippe's was good. Philippe's was good, and yeah. I got her number. Yeah. Then we started talking. You know, like she said, it was like we've known each other forever. Nice. You know. Okay, so now are are you guys are were you guys sheriffs at that time or no? Yeah, we're yes. we're both deputies working in the jails. In the jails, were you guys yeah. ever on the streets patrolling the streets? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Now being uh, patrolling the jail and the streets is that like hand in hand? Do you guys do that? It matters on your schedule or is that what, what is generally that like? you you know when you initially come on the department you have a choice of either working custody or working the courts and then once you uh do your time there so to speak then you move on to patrol so there's like a waiting list to go to patrol and when we initially got on it was about three to four years depending upon which station Five you wanted to go here. to so yeah. you're working the courts? No, we, no, didn't, we didn't. But you had people a has a choice. You have a choice of doing that. Okay. But most yeah. likely you're going to work custody, which is the jails, and then you go to patrol. But I, I will tell you this. A lot of people, they shy away coming on the sheriff's department because they always say, I don't want to work the jails. But so it's a mandatory think, thing, right? Yeah, you have okay. to. And, and how long of a period? Like three, four, five years? It depends years? on what's going on with hiring. How about right like now? That. What's right it like now, right guys, now? Right now, guys, depending on the station, are doing six months. Wow. Yeah, and some of them are going directly to patrol. Right. Yes. Wow. What's the pay? What's the pay? Like, you don't have to give me it's a specific a number, difference. but... It's a huge difference. You do get a patrol incentive once you go to patrol. Yeah. Get on the it's streets. It's a big difference. I mean, but I, like I was telling you, that the thing people will shy away from coming on the, de- on the sheriff's department because they don't want to work custody. But I, I would tell you, working custody was the best experience that we have because most of us... We might know some bad guys and stuff that you grew up with, but you really don't understand that element, mentality. Mm-hmm. that mentality or stuff, because you're not in it or you wouldn't be able to get hired. So working the jails, you really get taught by the inmates on what it's really like out there. Plus, as you think, you know, say you're in there three years. Now you've matured. So yeah. you're not coming in there as a young 21 year old all trying to be all bad and hard because now you got a badge and a gun and everything. So now you mature. And that's why I honestly believe that uh, deputy sheriffs, when we go out to the streets, we are able to uh, treat people much better because we've matured and we've learned to talk to people. You've experienced- you learn how to speak with people. And so much experience. Oh, too, absolutely. Right? You learn a lot in there. And you see a lot in there. Do you guys ever miss going back on the road, being a patrol on the streets? In this day and age, yeah. not so much. Not even close, huh? Yeah. No. But, I mean, you guys got some stressful jobs, though. Bomb squad, SWAT team, it's canine much SWAT. It, it's, it, you, it's stress in a sense, but I, I will tell you, and Kim will probably agree, it's much harder to work patrol than it is at Absolutely. Our patrol is not is, it is, is a hard place to work. Yeah, because maybe your department is more of like an isolated thing, right? Absolutely. Where you're like a, so with when a group something of is major happen and then there's an isolated incident, then we're called in. Whereas patrol, you're dealing with the public. You never know yeah. what's going to happen. It's more of one on the complaints, yeah. right? You never know what's. And then all happen. the hatred of cops. Exactly. You don't know what Absolutely. the hell you're dealing with. Who you're going to go up against. Plus, yes. in our, our where we work, Kim, you know, Arson and Bomb and me with the canine unit, we don't get work if patrol doesn't work. 
Mm. You know, so our jobs in a lot of the, the actual uh, other jobs on the sheriff department, it's all dictated on patrol. So patrol, patrol is the is the driving heart, force driving of our force of yeah. Because the if they're not bringing people in jail, then you don't need for custody or courts or specialized units like us to come and assist them in handling a situation. What's the scariest experience you've dealt with? You know, um, it's really interesting because um, I was involved in a shooting, um, but it wasn't until. Uh, after the shooting, when John went to work, that I started having anxiety and I felt like I was more worried about him going to work and being involved in an incident. And I had a, a little bit of an anxiety attack, um, but it wasn't so much me because, I mean, you know how you're going to react in a situation. Right. It's more like you can't I didn't want him, I can't control so him and I didn't know what's going to happen to him. And when he went to work that um, day. That it day, was or? like a few days after the shooting, I had a, an anxiety attack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that was really the most frightening thing that has kind of happened to me, even though I've been involved in a shooting and things like that. Um, you know, when you're involved in something like that, you just immediately revert back to your training. You don't yeah. even think about it. It's just you go back and you just do what you've trained to always do. Um, and like I said, it wasn't until later that you kind of think about, you know, what could actually happen yeah um, you know that's crazy part of of you guys and when i say you guys in general is that that one time there was a uh chase you were a part of it kim and you were like on the you were one of the first cars i believe and my sister texts me and says oh my god kim's in this chase there the guy is like shooting back at them so I saw you a couple of weeks after that. And I asked you about the experience and I said, how do you not want to just put a bullet through this guy's skull and just, just get rid of him? How do you not have that? And you're like, that's not what we want to do. That's not our job. We, we're not here to kill people. We want to make sure he's safe in a safe environment. We put him in an area and you know, we don't want to be responsible for killing the guy anybody else can do it, but not us. That's, it's great. That's crazy to me. I'm watching this stuff on TV and I'm like, dude, run him over Take him out of the car, run him over once, and then back up and run him over again. You're like, no, no, we don't, we don't want to do that. That's not our job. Yeah. I mean, I think when you deal with specialized units who are highly trained in their profession, I mean, even with dealing with the bomb, I mean, you think about you want to deal with it the best way. You don't, I mean, it's easy to blow something up, but, you know, you think about like forensics and being able to determine what, you know, the item was. So we try to like, because we have so much specialized training, we try to do it um, in the best way possible. It's easy just to like, you know, dispose of somebody or dispose of a suspicious package, but that's not worth trained to do. Is it more of a challenge too? Is there like Absolutely. a challenge aspect Absolutely. to it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a chance to be able to, um, use our skill set. you know, all these skills that in training that we go to, and now you actually have an, you know, a live incident where you're able to apply those. I mean, you know, you don't get a lot of those. How many false alarms have you had? Like, I mean, uh, uh, how many false alarms do you guys get a month? You know, um, our call out rate is pretty high. I mean, I think we handle, um, with the amount of uh, detectives that we have with all of LA County and surrounding, um, agencies. Um, I think it was over like a thousand last year call outs and people don't really realize, um, how many calls that we do go to, um, and we try to do that without people knowing so that people don't really see how we are handling 
things and um, right. it's just safer. And how many times have you gone there and it's an actual bomb? The percentage is super low compared to, um, you know, hoax devices and things like that, that we come across. So, I mean, it's a very low percentage. And the phone calls are just suspicious items, like a, like a bag that was left in a corner. Yeah, it could be a bag. It could be a box. It could be a package. It could be um, anything that someone deems is suspicious or a patrolman will come up um, depending upon, you know, if there's been threats to a business or, you know, is it at a, a hospital or like a Planned Parenthood, things like that. Mm. Then our threat level, our threat assessment, it goes higher than if it was just somebody at somebody's house that, you know, oh, I forgot that I was having a package delivered to my house. Mm. And you got to call everybody out. And you got to spend all part. that money. Yeah, right? absolutely. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. you never like, really know yeah. what it could be. For all no doubt. You can't, you can't, yeah, you got to take, take them all chance. serious. Absolutely. And then it's a package you forgot that you ordered from Amazon. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> you lock people out of their neighborhood, keep them all out. Everybody's freaked out. Long. Exactly. Any of them gone off? I mean, obviously not with you around, but like any. Uh, yeah, we do get a lot of like post blast um, incidents where people are either making stuff or they set something off. And then, you know, we have to come and kind of reconstruct the scene where they're, they're, you know, injury, they have lost limbs, fingers, or whether it's just remnants in a street. So mm. we do get more of those. You guys had any family law enforcement? I do. Is this like a generation thing? I know, I know your neighbor kind of motivated you to get into it, but anybody else? Yeah, so most of my family on my dad's side um, in Texas, a lot of them um, are law enforcement. So my uncle, my cousins, um, nice. they're in some, yeah. How about you, John? On my side, all I had was a cousin. I came on before. No, I have two cousins. I have a cousin that's a sergeant in Dallas PD, and I had another cousin that was on. He was an Oklahoma sheriff, but as far as father, uncle, no one. I mean, to tell you the truth, growing up, I hated cops. Did you? Oh, Honey Chum's husband, too. That's, that's uh, Terry. He's a, oh, the Terry, sergeant. yes. Uh, you hated cops. Hated them. Tell me about it. I just, you know, growing up, you know, running <laughs> around, you're just like, and you would go to these house parties and stuff, and when the cops would show up, breaking they up. were breaking it up and telling, you know, get out of here and this and that. And then, you know, just being African-American and everything, the culture you're around, you're like, man, they're always, you know, you you play, you get the victim. You're like, I'm the victim. They're you're doing me wrong. And so I just didn't like them. So you, know? you, you get it. You understand why the kids, especially when they're so young, so immature, they want to have fun. They think the cops are always bringing things up and it's, they, it, it's always bad. They always look like the bad guy. They always look like the bad guy. And that's what we looked at them that, you know, Hey, they're always, you know, breaking it up. They're doing us wrong, you know, stopping us. So and this you, why'd, and you, why'd you want to get into it then? Well, again, go back to college when I got, after I got injured. Well, once you're in college and if you're a, a student, uh, a student athlete, you can't work. Right. But once I was injured and I couldn't play anymore, I was allowed to get a job. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a job at the time at, uh, you know, they had a couple of uh, females that had been raped at the, on the campus. It wasn't a lot. Just, you know, I think it was two or something like that. Well, they started a program where it was almost like an Uber. And you would be like a guy and a girl would work. They had a van and um, they would the girls at the dorms would call the station and we would pick them up at the dorms and take them where they were. And then they would call us back and we'd take them back. So it was just a safety thing. And I was work. it was through the police department. Well, I started working there and I started meeting some of the officers 
And then they asked me if I would be like a student uh, liaison between the African-American students and the police station. So I was like, sure, why not? And I started talking to them, and I realized, I was like, this is a good profession. You know, I mean, they're not jerks mm -hmm. like, you know, mm -hmm. the media and people portray them. And you start, you know, getting to know them, you start realizing they're just ordinary people, you know, just trying to do their job. You know, and we're, we get told something else, and you start saying they're really not like that. And then, so I said, you know, this would be a good profession. Mm. And then, so I came back home, and you know, after I graduated, and mm -hmm. it's like I, I want to be a cop because you're out there. And like I said, as an African American uh, male, I started looking at it, going, you know, what do people say in the African American community? There's not enough of us. We have no black cops. We have no black firemen and everything. I was like, well, here's my chance. I go back to the and give back to the community. Yeah. You know, so I was like, here, cool. I'm, not, you know, going to law enforcement. You know what else is cool? If they never had that program at college, you wouldn't have been a cop. You wouldn't no. have never met Kim. Nothing. You would have never been it married to exactly. Kim. Exactly. Isn't it funny how that stuff works? Right. And then I it's wouldn't amazing. have never understood that, you know, the police officers are really out there yeah. and they really do care about the community. Yeah. You know? How many, how many uh, community events do you, do you, do you ever go to community events and like talk to these kids who are. Oh, yeah. I remember when you had some friends in the NFL community where they were able to, you wanted to go out and kind of reach out to them. Right. Players. I wanted to reach out to yeah. them. But I think at that time, everything was going on so much that guys really didn't want to speak at it, on it at that time. But there was like, I had, you know, Cromer and some of the other guys knew people us, as police officers, we really wanted to go and, and like, because we're looking at, you know, especially the guys I know that the ones that are even white or black, we're like, Hey, we're not these bad guys that people are trying to portray us as. Yeah. You know, it's not like uh, people think that we come to work and go, you know what? I'm going to kill somebody tonight. You know, the crazy part to me, though, is that the same people who are complaining about that, when they get robbed, who's the first person they call? It Absolutely. does. The, it's law enforcement. The, yeah. the police department. I right. got robbed. Come help me. The, who, who's the first, who's protecting the stadium, right? Exactly. To make sure things aren't out of control. Right. So that that's just it's uh, I don't want to get too political on the show, but I'm just saying like if if we're looking at things a common sense, it's it, it kind of spells out right in front of you, man. Like if right there, and that's what it's funny that you say that. Me, like I said, I I grew up not dis uh, well disliking law enforcement. I have grown to see that a lot of the stuff that I didn't like about it, it was because of what we were doing. And once you start realizing they were just doing their job, I mean, you think about it. I get, I would get mad, and I mean, my buddies would get mad because they're breaking up the party. Well, why do you think they're there? Mm -hmm. It's not like they're driving around and heard music. Someone called in the in the neighborhood and said, "Hey, this is disturbing. You're disturbing the, the disturbing peace. peace. Yep. Can you get this thing stopped? So they have to go and stop the party. Yeah, right. that's their job. How and really, the only way to bridge that gap is to actually come and to see what we do and why we do it. I mean, whether it's a ride along or, you know, having different you know meetings or talks, but you know, it doesn't seem to be like there wants to be, a, you know, people want to really want to do that. They don't really want to see the ugliness that we have to see each and every day, the calls. You know, the only time people call is when there's a problem mm -hmm. and then they want us to fix the problem. And sometimes it could be messy and they really don't like the outcome. Yeah. Well, I'll give you uh, two examples. I mean, and it's it's really sad, but you look at the, these mass shootings that are going on. You look at the Dayton. When that guy started shooting, who ran, everyone was running away. Where were the cops? Yeah. They were running to them. Going in, yeah. And then now they're that. And then you got the guy down in um, Florida who he was human. 
I mean, yeah, he's a police officer and everyone wants him to go in, but he's still human. He might have been thinking about his family or something, and he didn't go. He didn't act. And why now? He's a coward. He's this and that. But really? <laughs> how many? You people, know, everyone is now. How, uh, how many civilians are going to walk into that guy? Exactly. How up? many people would have actually ran into that? Yeah. And now he's getting persecuted. And that guy was by himself, it. too, wasn't he? Right. He yes. Had, and and he, so was, was, he wait, a, and he was, was he waiting for law enforcement to come to I help him? I think he was. He was. I'm not going to. I don't want to yeah. say what he was. I'm not sure yeah. what he was doing or anything. But he, like you said, he's by himself. And the thing is, he's getting persecuted now even to the point i think they've charged him but then there's a lot of people out there that want to talk about off uh, law enforcement and talk about him but if that would have been them they would have been doing the same thing or running away absolutely 100 percent. how long you guys been married 16 years damn that's right how long does it feel oh lordy jesus (laughs) (laughs) 16 minutes yeah but see we've been together what um since 97? Yeah. We've been together since 97. We did our things a little backwards. Yeah. You know, we got together, bought a house, <laughs> got married, had a baby, you know, and then it was like, wow, you know, where'd time go? Yeah. Goes you by know? fast. When you're it does by go fast. by fast. When you're with, fun. And, yeah. and when you're with, when the, you're right with the right freaking people, Absolutely. man. Right. Like people say life's, life's fast, you know, you, you know, life goes by really fast. But if you're around the wrong people or you're married to the wrong person, it could be long and miserable. Right. Yeah. So you better... See, that's what we got to get you married. You, you know? guys made the right you know, decision. You so got moving that, on. You no, know, don't so, move on, man. I mean, you know, you come <laughs> Listen, on, man. When you put your own <laughs> podcast together, you can have me on the show. We can hey, talk. Come about on, we're gonna talk about you. You know that beautiful hair and everything. That look at that smile. I'm gonna tell you, you know, why. Beautiful man. guy. <laughs> beautiful guy. He's a sexy man. <laughs> Hey, you're lactose intolerant, huh? Oh yeah, man. That that. that How did you get so big without drinking milk? Milk does not do a body good. (laughs) Now you all milk people out there, don't be mad at me. You know, (laughs) just what happened. It's funny, like you said, six three. 280 you wouldn't believe but i was, he was a premium I, I was, at like 10 pounds yeah i really was by the way how, what were you in in college how, how much did you weigh in college uh 205 wow so you yeah. were stacked man. i was stacked and then and then i came on the sheriff's department at 230 and then i just kept lifting and stuff so yeah <laughs> how did i mean how big are your parents <laughs> now that's a funny tiny thing. my what? parents are tiny my mom who's now passed away she was probably five, five. four. Okay. Um, and my father is five, eight. No way. Yes. yes. What did and you... he's like five, eight, like what? One fifty five. Fifty one fifty five. So who in, who in your family is big on my mom's side? Okay. My mom's side, they are her father, my grandfather, my uncle and my cousins and stuff on my mind thought are tall. Big. Okay. Yeah. She got it from them. Yeah. And your son Merrick is what? 16, 15, 16, 15. 15. He's six. He's six feet now, right? Five, yeah, 10, five, five, 11, five, yeah. 11, six foot. He's going to, I'm hoping too. that he gets taller than me. I think he will, you know? And the good thing about Merrick is that he, he, he doesn't play football. He chose his own sport, which yeah. is soccer. And I was, I was happy. Goalie, about. right? He's a goalie. goalie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about you, John? Craziest thing you've experienced. Uh, the craziest thing I've experienced, you know, like, like Kim said, there's so much stuff that goes on and like, and we get asked that a lot and really, I don't like really answering that question, but is there ever what is crazy to me might not be crazy. Yeah. You know, to you, but is there ever a point where you think back and you're like, 
man, I can't believe that happened. Or man, that was a close call. Man, that guy is an idiot. I mean, I'm sure you hear. I'm sure you get a lot of man. That guy. Oh yeah, you see that a lot. But I, I, I have to revert back to what Kim says. You know, you don't realize it, but then at times, and she probably doesn't even know this, that guys, it's funny because she's on the department, obviously. Guys, my friends that we know together on the department will call me and go, you know, Kim was involved in a fight at work. Or she was this and this. And I always play the, that's all right, man. It's part of her job and everything. But it's, then I'm like sitting there going, man, I hope she's all right. You know? Yeah. And then when she comes home, I try to play it off. Oh, you did okay. you know. But inside, I'm like really worried. You know, yeah. so that that's where, where the crazy stuff is. It's not that I don't think she can't do her job. She's great deputy, great detective and everything. She can do her job. But when, you know, it's your wife, then that's what you hear the story that she goes through. That's what's crazy. You're trying to hide, not showing that, you know, you're trying to be still the husband and supportive and not be the guy that you're worried about your wife. Yeah, on. baby and kind of baby. Exactly. Her just have confidence that she's doing her job. She's doing it right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to go back in time, would you guys do this? Would you guys be doing what you're doing oh, today? Oh, absolutely. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It is, it is a great, great career. And that's what I think a lot of people coming on now, they see it as a job. It's not a job. Yeah. It's a career. You know, you, you dedicate yourself. I think to the amount of people's doing. lives that you really get to just really touch. And the, you know, for me, it's just about the relationships over the years of either the, the victims or calls that I've been on. Um, it's just life changing. It really, it's, I mean, it's everything that I wanted to do. It's not about, um, you know, all of the other stuff, but it's about helping people and just the lives that plus I've the, changed. Plus the thing is what to me law enforcement was probably one of the closest things to playing football again mm. because of camaraderie with your comrades and the people you're working with. It, uh, you, I don't think I could have matched that in any other job. So it's a true passion too. I mean, you guys picked a true passion of yours. Absolutely. And you have to trust each other. It's just like we would talk about on the football field. You know, you got to trust the guy next to you. It's the same thing in law enforcement. You have mm-hmm. to trust each other. Mm-hmm. You know, have you guys ever ended up at the same, what would you call, call it? Call. Yeah, same call. Oh, yeah. Yes. Several times? Yes. Well, we, we worked the same station for a very short time. Right. Um, but what when, about we now, worked, when we worked patrol, yes. we worked a patrol station for a short, short amount of time. And if I had to do that again, I would never do that again. Because, again, I she worked on during the day. I worked nights. And I would come into work, and the guys were like, did you hear what Kim did? Did hmm. you hear what Kim got? And I'd be God. looking at him like, what do you think? We don't talk to each other? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know what happened. And so you would, you know, they're telling you all the stuff that she, and it's like, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to talk to her. If she wants me to know, she'll tell me. Yeah. You know? And that was just a pain in the neck. But then now at our unit now, we've worked a couple of calls together that have been fun. So there was never a point in your careers where you said, man, I'm done with this. I mean, you're getting older. You want to maybe think about retiring, but ever when you're kind of in your prime, where you're like, "Man, screw oh, this!" Oh, never in the prime. No, no. Plus, Not you got to think about it. in our prime, the the environment and the society, the way they looked at law enforcement was totally different. We were still respected, mm. you know. Right. We're not respected no- anymore, and it's very hard to go out there on the street and hear the way what people like. That's why I say for a patrolman now, I really take my hat off to him. Because people are very, very disrespectful. Dealing with a lot. Dealing so so you would op- you'd recommend being in law enforcement? Oh, yeah. 
no Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. It's it really is a rewarding career and it um you know the benefits are good, you know, you're always going to have a paycheck. Um and the thing with the the sheriff's department is there's so many jobs you can do. So depending upon what's going on with your family, you can work a job that, you know, the hours are conducive to your family life. Um you know, if your kids are doing something, you can always change jobs and work nights or days, so And plus when you look at it now, like society is different from when we worked patrol. But these the kids that are going out there now, they, they don't know, know it is different. they don't know what it was back then. They know what it is now. So it's still, yeah. it's a good career cuz they know what it is. Pretty hungry still the sheriff department? Hungry? Look at, yeah, jobs. I mean they they they're, oh, still they're hiring, hiring all the time. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling me uh you'd rather be a sheriff than be in the city patrol because oh, the city is what, 12 miles or whatever it is in Well, they're stuck cities. to that city. Yeah. Like if you th- work a small city, you're stuck in that city. Even LAPD is a large city. You're stuck. LAPD stays inside LA City. Well, the sheriff department, we get to go everywhere in LA County. See everything Absolutely. everywhere. Every day is a different day. Yeah. You're not right. saying the same mailman. <laughs> and if and in some of the small cities, if they get overwhelmed by something, it's a thing called mutual aid where they call for help. Well, they call the sheriff department. In each county they have it. They'll call the sheriff department. So we get to go in smaller counties like Kim, uh, she works the bomb squad. Now. Well, most of these small cities don't have a bomb squad mm-hmm. or arson investigators, so they get to go to those small cities and work there. That bomb squad unit is badass, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that thing rolling down the street. <laughs> the big no band. Yes. Yeah, that thing. It's bad. a great job. It's it's nothing like I've ever done before. Yeah. You know, a lot of training. You train, 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 and you might not ever get that mate. You know, that call that you've ever trained for, but. Um, just working with all the different, you know, units and outside entities, you know, whether it be, you know, domestic or, or foreign, you know, it really is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. One thing that me, both me and Kim are lucky to be able to do mm-hmm. is that we both uh, work a dog. We both have a canine. It's cool, too. Yeah, yeah. So she has a bomb dog and I have a bloodhound that looks for people, you know, so that is really cool. Like Kim says, it's a great job being on the arson t- arson explosives. I still think the best job in the county is working canine. Yeah. You know, working with the dogs and going out looking for the bad guy. It, Those so dogs are it's awesome. It's very man. rewarding. Those dogs are awesome. Right. They really are. They're so mm-hmm. smart and um, they really are the best partner. If you are an animal lover, it's just great always having them with you. Yeah. That is great. A couple last questions. We always end the show with these last two questions. Oh, here we okay. go. Routines. What are your routines every day? I'll start with you, John. My routine every yeah. day? Yeah. Wake up in the morning, get up in the morning. What do you eat for breakfast? I mean, throughout the day, your Monday through Fridays at least. What are, what I'm are not like? a breakfast guy. So I wake up, I get my son up, get him to school, um, get into work, um, check all you know emails, go through all the admin stuff, um, go out to the field, train with my, with my dog and my partner, train with them. Sometimes I go to the gym, work out, and then once I get a call here and that, you know, throughout the week, they're different. They change. Um, come home, see Kim. Well, let me back up. It depends on if, what shift she's on. A lot of times at work, we get to see each other at work because we work in the same building. You know, we work under the same bureau. Um, then I go home, feed the dog, give him more exercise, and then take our, take our son to practice. Yeah. It's kind of different, I guess, with the, with this question to you guys, because every day is almost different. Exactly. It really is. There yeah. really is no routine. I mean, just yeah. 
What's you never know like? if you're going to get a call. I mean, just waking up. I'm not a breakfast person. I usually drink coffee. So I'll, you know, do a Starbucks and get on the road. I'm usually in the office pretty early. Um, and then whether I have a fire assignment or um, if I'm on the duty, which we're waiting for bomb calls, but just in the office, either handling cases, writing reports, um, coming home, and then um, making dinner. Yeah, and in the, the midst of that, you know, training with the dog. Because even though she does all these cool things at work, she's still a mother. Yeah. You know, and yeah. but the thing that, the funny thing is like we get, we, and our son talks about it at times that, that most parents don't ever have to really do this is that, like you're saying, routine. They're saying like we're going okay, we and we're talking. Hey, are you gonna take your uh, you gonna take uh, uh, Merrick to practice today? Are you gonna do this? Oh like, yeah, I got him. You know, you got him. And then, then all of a sudden, some major thing jumps off, yeah. and we're both at this call, mm-hmm. and we're calling around, going, "Hey, can someone get him to practice?" Because there, you think your routine is there, and then your routine is gone. Constantly on call, the both of you, or all no? the time. Yeah, like yeah. right now, are you guys on call? So I'm on call um, one week a month. Okay. And then he's basically on call. I'm on call the time every because single of day. Dog. But really, Kim is really on call too. It, at at the unit that we work at, called Special Enforcement Bureau, that we're all basically on call unless you're like gone somewhere. Because if something major happened, like now, say you had an active shooter, mm-hmm. they're calling all of us in. Yeah. It's like right now we're sitting there talking to you. If something major starts, we got to leave and we got to go. All hands we on have deck. To, right, we have to respond. All right, my second question. I asked you pre-show. Mm, right cold, cold showers cold showers mm. no like only when it's super hot so in the morning have Even you ever then. taken a cold shower no do you take mornings do you well, take do you take showers in the morning or at night at or night both? okay how about you john night or day but i am taking cold i haven't taken a cold shower since i was little because we didn't have a whole lot of money it's the best it's, it's life-changing why the life really? changing? try it tomorrow i'll tell you okay it's the it, and you might grow hair like this that was the other but key see, about i don't my want hair. that I you want know? hair like that. I'm telling you. Okay. Cold showers help your hair look beautiful. One. Your hair really two, good. your brain. How long do you have to take the cold shower for? Your normal time. <gasps> oh, the whole the time? Whole time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you warm, what I tell people. Mike, I think I, you're just cheap and don't want to turn on the hot water. <laughs> I'm saving a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, no, right? you're saving a lot of money. I think you're cheap. <laughs> people have told me that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I go on hot. I start with hot. This is for the, the, the virgins. I go, you stay right. on hot and then your, your body kind of gets accustomed to it. And then you kind of move it over to cold, move it over to cold. And then you, you put cold water, man, on top of your head and, and, and shower with cold water. And your brain just times ten. Hey, I'm, I'm telling I tell you, you this. you're gonna feel so fresh, so amazing. But so listen, I won't need listen, my Starbucks. Mike. That is your Starbucks. But listen, Mike. Okay. I'm if serious. we could find right. you a wife, you won't be taking them cold showers. You know what I mean? And this was Mike the <laughs> Pot. So thank you so much. For <laughs> <laughs> you know, you won't be taking no cold showers. You know. I don't know what that means. Exactly. You know. <laughs> is it is it know. more of a bathtub yeah. with with bubbles and and hot water? No, nah, man, you just can't be, you know, you know, that cold shower and you got someone in, in, in the room with you. <laughs> so it's a little bit different. Right. Well, got to warm it up. Listen, man, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on. No, thanks come on, man. Thanks it's for having good. us. And thanks this, for having us. Anything for you. No, this this you're my, uh, you're my Armenian brother. You know, hey, it's just, this is family. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. We're here so. for you. Your family. Yeah. And so. the hair gets me every time. <laughs> I love you guys. We love you too. Talk about a power couple, huh? 
I don't believe everybody's able to be in their field or do what they do every day. I think they make things look a lot easier than we assume. Hopefully that gave you a little bit of perspective as to what these guys do for us every day and protect our lives and put their lives on the line. <laughs> a lot of the times when disaster happens, we're running out, they're, they're running in, like John said. So, uh, I, you know, I, I think we take our law enforcement for granted and all first commanders for granted. Firefighters, nurses, EMTs, doctors. They're special people, man. John and Kim are as special as they come. Can't thank them enough for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. Please follow me on all social media platforms, Miked Up Pod. Thank you for making me a part of your day. It means a lot. Until next time, folks, no wasted days. Good night, everybody. Everybody.